Welcome to the Rebel and Connect radio podcast, where we connect you with the ideas, people, products, and services that you need to create a truly meaningful company culture on your remote team. Rebel and Connect, celebrating human connections in a digital world. Are you considering a retreat for your remote team and want to know if Rebel and Connect is the right retreat planning team for you? Come to Remote Work Summit 2018 in San Marcos, Laguna, Guatemala, May 31st to June 4th to experience a Rebel and Connect event firsthand. Visit bit.ly slash remoteworksummit to learn more and apply for an exclusive invitation. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, everyone. We are here with Charlie Birch. Now, if anyone's wondering why the sound will sound a little bit different is this is because we are doing this remotely, which is extremely relevant to the content that we're discussing today. But first of all, Charlie, welcome to the show. Nice to have you back. Hello. Thank you. I'm stoked to be here. And just to give our listeners a little bit of context, you, myself, Rachel, and Summer, um, the executive team for Rebel and Connect did a podcast a few weeks ago, just about a month and a half ago now. Now we're here to focus on you because each of you ladies have such an incredible story, such value that you bring to the table. I believe that you each need your own segment. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. So where are you calling in from at the moment, Charlie? I am in Summers Point, New Jersey, which is about 50 minutes east of Philadelphia and about 15 minutes south of Atlantic City. December 2016. So we've been here just a little bit over a year. And primarily, I, that decision was made to be closer to my family. And I'm really loving doing that. Like right now, my mom unfortunately broke her ankle on a ski accident. Oh, wow. And I can work remotely from her house and help her get around and take her to the pool so she can do her physical therapy and, um, you know, hang out with my dog. And it's been a really surprisingly nice transition. I never thought I would move back here. And yeah. it's just, it's where I need to be right now. So I'm glad I can make it happen. I remember in our previous time chatting, you had mentioned that one of the biggest perks of remote work was that you could spend time and have the proximity to those who matter. So I understand that this is plays entirely into that. Um, now we're going to go through and what I'm so excited is about is we're going to kind of put you on a pedestal, whether your ego allows it or not, <laughs> and get everyone excited who's going to the 2018 Remote Work Summit. You know, get them stoked for the fact that, in my opinion, although it's an incredible, incredible place in Guatemala, uh, at Lake Atalan, which looks stunning, ultimately people are going to remember, you know, the people and the connections um, that they meet. So we're going to put you on a pedestal just so that people who are attending or who should be attending, or who are thinking about attending, are going to get an understanding of what kind of character is actually going to fortunately be at this. So first of all, just to get things started, what did you study in school, Charlie, that led you to where you are now? I studied uh, dance, performance, and choreography, and psychology as a double major in undergrad. And then in graduate school, I studied dance movement therapy, which is the kind of natural blending of dance and therapy. Um, and that took me to, I was planning to be a counselor. I got to travel a lot in college and in graduate school and my family's all over. And I was like, you know, I want to help people. I want to add value to the world and I don't want to have to worry about a counseling license every time I want to move because anyone who's ever even looked at that or let alone done that path, it's very restricting where you can live. It can, it can be a huge nightmare to move just to another state 
in the states because the qualification or the requirements for licensure in each state are totally different. So I transitioned into a coaching role and had a coaching practice that was centered around lifestyle design and burnout prevention for about three years and then got kind of lonely and bored with my business, working by myself, for myself, in my house, by myself. Yeah, I can get lonely. (laughs) I'm an extrovert. And so that's kind of when I came to realize that, yes, I want a remote work lifestyle and I want the freedom to work from home or from anywhere, but I also really still want to create sensory experiences for people offline and that was kind of the initial motivation for Rebel and Connect and absolutely a core and foundational part of how we built the summit to be very sensory and not just, you know, left brain, frontal cortex, uh, not totally. just intellectual. Totally. And when you say counsel, you're talking about like a psychology standpoint or is that, is that what kind of counseling you're referring to? Yeah. So uh, I studied... like human services, counseling, psychology. Um, I did, I worked for two years as a behavioral aide and a crisis responder in a psychiatric day school, which was really interesting and also really intense. Uh, Seeing, you know, one of my coworkers get his ear bitten off, like that kind of thing, really intense and definitely a burnout mill, uh, which Uh kind of informed the later work. But then uh, I was always interested in working with kids. I love how kids are so honest and open and they don't have all their, you know, what I'm supposed to be. They just are. And so we also try to bring that really into our work and help people get back to that inner child and find, you know, how can you use play and adventure and exploration as a learning tool? So that's also part of what we're doing with the summit. That's so cool. And not, and not allowing societal norms to limit your behavior and your expression. Can you remind, you've mentioned, you know, you being the younger person, can you remind us of your age so that people can either relate to you and say, oh, that's, you know, I'm close to that. Or maybe people are seeing what you're doing and like it and say, wow, I'm far younger than that. I have so much time to, you know, work into something that actually inspires me. Sure. I am 33 years old this year. I am a New Year's Eve baby. So turned 33 on New Year's Eve. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you had asked me when I graduated from high school what I was going to be doing at this point in my life, if you asked me, you know, when I graduated from college or grad school or when I dropped out of grad school (laughs) to pursue a different path, like, it just is constantly evolving and it's really uh, exercise and trust and I, I wouldn't have it really any other way. I never thought I would. I never aspired to do this. It just, you know, listen to your, in- yeah. your intuition and that's, that's where it leads you. That's where it led me. Charlie, how do you have the guts and self-belief to drop out of such a societally like structured program like grad school? Like what was, what was going through your head during that period? Because I bet you there's a lot of people who are considering grad school listening or they're currently doing it or they've completed it and they look back and say, shit, that was, you know, that was a waste of my time. For those people who are going through that, what could you, you know, what was your experience like and how could you recommend others to navigate it? Sure. I mean, I would say I was never a natural straight A student. Like it was the expectation that I get straight A's and do all my homework and be a really good student. But I I worked really, really hard to make that happen all through grade school. Um, It came a little bit more naturally to me in college. And then when I got to grad school, 
for the first time in my life, I was in an educational institution that taught to my learning style. And I mean, (laughs) grad school was the easiest time of my entire life. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the most natural, organic learning experience of my entire life. Um, and so I think I wasn't in a place where I was trying to prove myself anymore. I was just absorbing information. And that, I think, was a huge part of what allowed me to give myself permission to leave. Oh, uh, interesting. But the primary thing that was going through my head, I did the first, it was a three-year program. I did the first two years. And at the end of the second year was when you start interviewing for internships. Mm -hmm. And like I told you, I worked at that day school. And so I had that experience and I was aspiring to work with kids in crisis. So I interviewed at all these, you know, children's hospital in Denver and all these other kind of foster care group home places. And every time I would go to the interview, I thought I'm totally qualified for this internship. And then every time I would leave, I'm like, I'm not going to get that internship. And I wouldn't get the internship. And I kept thinking to myself, like, more and more, the more it happened, the more clear it became in my brain. I don't want that internship. Okay. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, I don't want that. So, of course, I'm not going to get it. And finally, I, but I wouldn't stop. And then finally, I got an offer for an internship working with um, juvenile sex offenders Oh, in geez. a town called Greeley, Colorado, which is famous for its cow farms. And so it constantly smells like dung. And Sounds it's like a horrible opportunity. Yeah, it's an <laughs> hour and a half north of where I lived, completely in the opposite direction of the mountains, which is what I moved to Col- other than grad school, why I moved to Colorado to be able to go snowboarding and have an outdoor life in the winter. And I was just like, this, is, this isn't the universe like slapping me across the face and be like, bitch, turn left. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, do yeah. something different than I don't know what it is. And I called my mom and I said, Mom, I I think I want to drop out of grad school and I, I don't want to be a quitter. Mm-hmm. But I also don't just want to keep doing the same thing that I, I thought I wanted to do when I was 18 because I don't want to be a quitter. Like I don't want to quit on what I could be in order to keep doing what I thought I was going to be. Yeah. Well, that's the opportunity cost of life. Like had you continued and spent six months a year doing that, what would, what opportunity would you have potentially missed on? And that, that could have been Rebel and Connect and meeting Summer and Rachel. Totally. Um, can you remind me exactly what you do at Rebel and Connect? Sure. So I am one, we're all three co-founders and my role, I mean, we do all kinds of internal things, but market facing, I am the director of program development. So right now, what that looks like most of the time is managing our Facebook group and hosting our Think Tank Live, which is our weekly, sometimes bi-weekly, meaning twice a week, not every other week, uh, mini training series that we offer where we bring on guest experts in different topics around remote work. And then in terms of the retreats that we do for our clients, I help vet any speakers or facilitators that are going to come on board to make sure that they are one, you know, viable and legitimate and two can deliver an engaging and interactive content and not just dry lecture style, you know, download kind of thing. And then for the summit, I'm responsible for recruiting and booking all of the speakers and designing the like remote work session lineup versus like the excursion side of things, which Rachel handles or the logistics behind the scenes kind of things, which summer deals with. Right on. And why don't you just give a shout out to the remote work summit right now? I mean, you've, you kind of teased us with it. We might as well know (laughs) where it is and when it is. 
Sure. So it is in San Marcos, La Laguna, Guatemala, which is a mouthful, but I have a lot of practice it saying definitely it. Is. It definitely is. <laughs> and um, it's on, as you mentioned, it's on, uh, the town is on Lake Atitlan in Guatemala, which is known for being one of the most beautiful lake regions in the whole world. There's volcanoes and they're safe, you know, not aggressively not active volcanoes. volcanoes. Um, but it's just a beautiful, magical place. And the event starts on May 31st with our kickoff party and goes until June 3rd, where we'll end with our expert panels, which is really exciting. Cool. And I'm going to be there. I'm actually extending. I don't know if I told you, I'm extending five days after the completion of the conference, just because I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of people who want to travel. So if you are one of those people, you're listening to this, you want to hang out with me, um, not in front of a microphone, then let's go get some beer, enjoy a beach and have some meaningful conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're getting there a little bit early, our team, so we can get our feet on the ground. Actually, I used to have a business called Feet on the Ground. I don't anymore, but we, we want to get our feet on the ground and get the lay of the land before everyone starts to arrive. And I know Rachel is making herself available to summit attendees who want to extend their trip like you. Um, if people want, you know, custom travel packages put together for them so they can just kind of show up oh, and enjoy cool. it and not have to handle too many of the research projects that can go into international travel. Do you like what you do? I do. I mean, I made it up. Yeah. So if I didn't so like it, like I would be do? kind of a masochist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, people get bored of even things that they themselves create. So where's, where's your stance on what you do? And Let's use that to say or give advice to what do you think people should look for in work, um, in, in empowering and positive work that they love? Sure. I mean, I think for me, I know about what I know about myself is that I like to be in a creative space. I like to be in a relational space, maybe not so much a social space, but there has to be a relational component to my job in order for me to stay energized because I'm such an extreme extrovert. If I mm. am just, you know, some parts of my job I have to do like some data mining here and there or some really, you know, mind numbing administrative kinds of tasks. If I'm at home in my office for too long by myself, like I just start to fade out and mm -hmm. fall asleep at my computer. So I definitely need the opportunity to interact with people on a daily basis and that's a huge part of what I do. Like I actually had to go back and restrict my scheduler because I was having back-to-back -back meetings five days a week and I love it. Yeah. And I can't get anything else done that I have to get done, like write a blog article or, um, and I do like to write. So I do, you know, I do a lot of the messaging for our Facebook group. I do uh, want a blog every month. We all contribute to our blog every month. Where is the blog so people can find it? If you go to rebellionconnect.co backslash blog hyphen one. Okay, I'm just going to say, just go to the website. So yeah. give us the website and say find the blog. The website is what again, Charlie? Uh, rebellionconnect.co. Cool. Yeah, anytime hyphens and exponents <laughs> and you know backslashes come into the picture, like screw that. Just, you know, website. It should be intuitive. Go find it. Yeah, it's under the library section on the main menu of the, you know, upper navigation mm -hmm. bar. We have the podcast and the blog and the marketplace and um, Cool. Yeah. 
Now, based on what you've been through and where you are now, obviously liking a role you've created for yourself. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. What would your biggest, uh, strongest, most effective advice be from a career standpoint to people? Um, My first gut response is ask for what you want. And then my second response in my head, which maybe comes before ask her what you want is you deserve to have a job you like, you know, a lot of times as children and in, at least in American culture, I can't speak for other cultures. um, But you know, this was a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of culture where a lot of things were built on blood, sweat and tears, sometimes of other people's blood, sweat and tears. Um, But there is kind of this idea that like you have to really work hard and you do have to be committed and you have to be disciplined, but you deserve to have a job that lights you up. And if you don't know that, you're never going to find it. If you don't Mm. give yourself permission to have the desire to have a job that you want, if it's just like, well, you just got it's the thing you do when you're an adult, you know, you just have to get a job and just have to suck it up. And if you have that kind of inner dialogue, you're never going to, I mean, you could find it and still not enjoy it. So I think really a mindset thing that I wish somebody had told me that like you can, you can have a job that energizes you and lights you up. It doesn't have to be that like, can't wait for the weekend. Like yeah, don't hate, wait for the I weekend. People, you know? I hate when people say that. So yeah. I think that's my thing I would want like little kids to hear, like follow your dreams and trust that you deserve to find a job that makes you, I mean, I had so many horrible bosses. I'm also not a very good employee. I don't want to be told what to do, but like I had a lot of really bad bosses and there's so many, um, you know, kind of, I don't know if archetypes is the right word, uh, or, you know, there's so much kind of urban lore maybe is like, you know, folklore around this idea that you're supposed to hate your boss and you're supposed to dread going to work. And there's all these ideas that we have in our head about that. And if you let that drive, you know, drive the boat, then that's what you're going to get. That's where you're going to end up. And so I think that that mindset piece is really important. Yeah. It's so funny because the only other time I've heard that specific analogy is exclusively related to like love. So often people say like, if you don't believe you're worthy and deserving of love, you're never going to get it because you're not going to accept it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've, you know, I've heard so many of the standard, um, follow your, follow your dreams, work hard, be consistent, Um, But yeah, interesting that you make that point, which is normally synonymous for how to handle relationships, not necessarily career. If I could add one more piece to that, I really think that it's a process of elimination. Mm -hmm. You start one job and you see a few variables you like and some that you don't. And all you have to do is make absolute certain that those variables you didn't like are not present in your next opportunity. And personally, like speaking as Aaron Parker, who now loves my job at Second Closet, Um, It's my eighth job in eight years. I mean, anyone who's not a millennial or any, anyone in an older generation would look at that and be like, okay, what's wrong with you versus you just checked a lot of boxes of things you don't like to do. And hopefully you're getting closer to something you do in fact, enjoy. Now I want to talk a little bit about you as you keep on, you know, clearly you're a self-aware individual. Um, I think that comes with you just being a smart lady. That's for sure. Uh, What about, what about others describing you? How would people, especially your team, describe you, Charlie? 
Um, well, let's see. My team, I am the systems geek. I love to build protocol and um, I am the lean speech master in a written form. I love to chatter when I'm talking. That's the extrovert. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, my graduate school actually was a Buddhist inspired school. So we were very much trained to use lean speech and kind of say the you know, exactly what you need to say and be super specific. And that, I guess, maybe comes also from being in a big family and like, how can I get this out before I lose my Inter Interrupted by your brother sitting next to you. <laughs> right. And then, you know, I mean, my friend Dana, she's my best friend in the whole world. I've known her since I was three weeks old. Her mom was my nanny. You know, she might as well be my twin. Um, yeah. She kind of jokes, she works in now a, a brain injury unit at a hospital in Virginia. And she always says, you know, when she has a difficult patient, she just says, what would Charlie do? Mm. And she, you know, because I'm, I'm pretty good with difficult people. Um, that's why I was good with the crisis response stuff. And yeah. that's also why I moved away <laughs> away from that work because I felt like I don't really want to put a, a sign on my door that's like difficult people come down here and talk to me for the rest of my life. Sounds extremely draining. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm a, a fun, adventurous person. Um, I guess it really depends on who you ask and what their, con you know, what their context for me is. Like my older siblings probably will forever see me as a five-year-old. Yeah, um, yeah. As I so, do with my younger sister, who's now in medical school and 25. Yeah. <laughs> now, what, I, about, what about those attending remote work? Clearly, the context is going to be a stunning place in Guatemala um, around such incredible entrepreneurial leadership, remote content. If, if and when everyone meets you, what are you hoping they walk away with saying, like, you know what, that Charlie was so blank? You know, I mean, I definitely want people to feel seen and heard amongst the crowd. I, uh, I would hope that people felt seen and heard by me in the crowd. I also, I did the thing where I was a personal brand. Um, I don't want to be a guru. You know, I was talking to my, my friend the other, well, a colleague of mine the other day, and he's like, oh, so are you speaking at the event? I was like, no. He's like, what do you mean? It's your event. You're not speaking at it. No, I, I want, I, I like to pick the people, and I like to sit back and watch it all happen. Um, you know, my dad was a musical performer. He was a big front man, um, and I'm comfortable in the spotlight, but it's not necessarily my aspiration to be in the spotlight. My mm -hmm. aspiration is really to celebrate humanity and so I, I guess I would hope people in their interactions with me felt celebrated very cool wow if that's an incredible thing if people can walk away and be like I felt like a better person and celebrated um and rejoiced for being in Charlie's presence then yeah I'm really excited to meet you Charlie seriously between you and I I'm excited to like, it's one thing to be, you know, I, I can hear you, I can see you, but to be in the same room and not in different countries will be very cool. Absolutely. I'm stoked to meet you too in 3D. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best kind of D. Um, <laughs> 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 not where I was going with that. Um, now you, Rachel and Summer and everyone at this conference are obviously remote work experts, or at least that you have some experience in it. 
remote work is becoming such a big part of our modern day workforce for so many reasons that I don't need to reiterate because I feel as if everyone knows. If someone's seriously considering remote work full time, they have no exposure with it prior. What were some of the um, what 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 are some of the advice points you could give them before they you know take the plunge? I guess I would first be curious why. Why do you want to be a remote worker? Because there's so I mean because you're on Instagram and you want to like sit by the pool and drink a martini in the middle of the day on a Wednesday and like have a fabulous picture grid. I mean, I like pictures and I like Instagram, but I think the reality of remote work is much more, you know, kind of like how we started. Like I can take my mom to the pool for physical therapy and I can be in Massachusetts next month working from a condo to visit with my boyfriend's parents. Like I did the digital nomad thing and it's awesome, and I totally encourage people to travel, but I also encourage people not to turn their nose up at the home office lifestyle. I think there is a lot of value, and I also think um, you know it's really important not to choose remote work to escape from office work. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you don't have the commute, and yes, you know you don't have to get dressed up in your you know, professional attire every day, which maybe is more of a labor-intensive thing for women in the workplace than men. I don't know. I'm not a man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, but like right now we're sitting here. You can see our listeners can't see because they're not on video with us. But like I'm in my pajama pants sitting on a bouncy ball. Um, My desk desk is a total mess. Like I wouldn't show it to anybody. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really important to understand that there's – always the grass is always greener on the other side yeah and if you anytime you make a decision to escape your current reality like there's a lot of things that are going to follow you like if you don't get along with your coworkers, that's not going to disappear because you become a remote worker if you are a stress monger that's not going to disappear because you're a remote worker if you you know feel torn between your family and your workload that's not going to disappear because you're a remote worker. I love remote work. I think it has so many opportunities to enhance your life, but you have, if you expect it to solve your problems, you're going to be disappointed. It's just going to change the landscape of your life and it does give you more control, but it also requires a lot more discipline in a lot of ways than an office job um, in terms of like self-management and energy management. And you have to be super explicit and super clear and over communicate. So like if you have issues with communication, they're not going to go away. They're going to explode. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think it's just really important to think about why you want to be a remote worker and talk to some people about their different, everyone's experience is different. Also, I would say be aware of, you know, a lot of remote work opportunities are freelance opportunities. A lot of remote work opportunities are MLM. They're, you know, the distributed company where the employee, like the remote employee is definitely increasing in commonality, but it's still not the majority. It's still not the norm. So like, you're going to have to be able to do sales probably. So if you suck at sales or you hate sales, like, (laughs) <laughs> you're going to have to, even if, you know, even if you're not going to be in a sales position, 
you're going to have to sell yourself over the computer. You're probably going to have a remote interview. Like there's just all kinds of different skills that you need to have as a remote worker. And you can't just step out of the office, put your computer in a coffee shop or get on a plane and like work out of a hotel lobby without expecting there to be a learning curve, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, you've mentioned all this, you know, rather realistic and and potentially unexpected situations and variables with homework. Now, sorry, remote work and working from home. A lot of the people coming to the the summit will have gone through or experienced or just about to experience what you're doing, or they've been experiencing it for three years. What should people expect to learn at the remote work summit and why the F should they go? Sure. You know, we, in our Facebook group that we have, we ask everybody when they join the group, we ask them, you know, what's your biggest challenge? And hands down, the biggest challenge that people report is communication. Um, And we're not explicitly addressing communication at the summit. Uh, We have three content buckets. We have leadership, we have team building, and we have company culture. Uh, I am of the belief that when you have poor communication, it's a symptom of a bigger problem. Um, there's either unclear leadership or you know, too passive, too much of a passive communication happening from the leadership. There's not enough trust on the team. There's not enough systems in place for effective collaboration. There's not enough expectations in place for effective communication. Or the culture's not strong enough and people don't understand the bigger why of what they're doing. And so they can't figure out how to communicate what it is that they're doing because they don't really understand the motivation other than like, I'm supposed to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And people don't understand necessarily, this happens a lot with freelance teams where the majority of the people are contractors, especially if you have like a solo entrepreneur who came up and then started building, you know, oh, I hired a funnel guy and oh, I hired a social media guy and oh, I hired you know, an HR person to handle that payroll. And all of a sudden there's, there's this uh, concept in the dance therapy world called spoking where there's a central, it's kind of similar to a bottleneck, but there's like a central point person. And then all the energy moves out in different directions from that person, like the spokes of a bicycle wheel. And there can be these kind of like satellite people that don't know that even the other ones exist. And so everything is going through the middle and back out again. Um, And that can happen with remote work too. So this idea of like, how do you create culture and communication and cohesive trust and teams? And how do you lead that when you have an employee based workforce that's remote? How do you do that when you have a freelance based team that's remote? And how do you do that when there's a hybrid? We have people coming who are from Microsoft and are dealing with remote teams at massive scales we, and, and Dell as well. We have people who are solo entrepreneurs who go in as contractors and they know what it's like to go into a culture and how tricky that can be if the culture isn't clear or the roles aren't clear for the team members. So we're really looking at the foundation at the summit um, and not so much the symptoms. So if you go to the summit website, which is bit.ly slash remote work summit, and you're like, well, I don't ha- really have problems with my leadership and I don't really have problems. Like my team is cool. And like, we don't really need culture, like cultures for Google. Right. But you have, <laughs> but you have lonely How people. Wrong they are. Right? If you have lonely people and you have problems with communication, you probably have an issue with either leadership, team integrity or culture. So that's why we're picked, why we have those content buckets. 
Um, and I'm just really excited about the diversity of perspectives that our speakers are bringing. You know, we have lots of different age brackets of speakers. We have um, people, like I said, from all kinds of different industries that are speaking. You know, there's not just a bunch of HR people that are coming to talk about HR topics. The panels are also like, we have one panel for HR and operations. So that is kind of an HR heavy crew. Yeah. <laughs> but the business development panel, you know, has a physical products company being represented, Tortuga Backpacks. Uh, we have a another conference leader, Kyrie from 7 and 7, which is a digital nomad uh, meetup conference. They're doing like, you know, seven different conferences, one on each continent over seven years. So yeah. she's coming to talk about that. Um, we have a graphic design firm being uh, represented, Motel. So even in the panels in that business there's diversity right there's there. so much industry diversity. There's, um, you know, in terms of who these people are working with on a daily basis, be it their clientele or their internal team, the size and context is really diverse. So there's just going to be a speaker for everyone yeah. who cares about their people, regardless of the context. If you don't care yeah, about your people, don't come to the summit. Charlie, once again, it's so incredible to have you um, on the other end of this microphone. Once again, we've both exclaimed how stoked we are to meet in person. But if I can just share a few words um, for anyone listening, get online, go to this summit, be a part of something incredible in a beautiful place with equally as ambitious and curious um, and educated individuals. I'm so excited because I think this is going to be a, um, a moment of a lifetime and I urge you to you know, test it out. And with such ladies like Charlie, Rachel, and Summer at the helm of this organizing it, I can't think of a better team to structure an event, an experience, and a, you know, a connectivity source that would be worth plugging into. So Charlie, seriously, thank you so much for being with us again today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for being here with me. Yeah, well, go team. Go team, holla. Okay, <laughs> so over and out. We'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed the show. Subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. This podcast is a Rebel and Connect production. Have you joined our free Facebook community, the Remote Leadership Think Tank? You can find it by searching on Facebook for Remote Leadership Think Tank or by going to bit.ly slash remote work connect, all lowercase. The Remote Leadership Think Tank is a community forum connecting like-minded remote leaders and team members from around the globe. See you in there. Rebel in Connect is a Colorado-based company owned and operated by Charlie Birch, Rachel McGee, and Summer Wyrick. We operate remotely and service clients from all over the globe. For more about our mission, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Connect with us on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also email us directly at info at rebelandconnect.co or call 970-325-6833.